0: quick at about noon
1: after an amazing weekend of demonstrations all over the united states of america and particularly here in sacramento california we welcome you to the monday eighth edition of the podcast with damian barlin presented as always by vibe health bar it's a superfood cafe unlike any other where you can get the best superfood smoothies acai bowls And organic cold-pressed juices in all of the city. they got some great lunches there for you as well. You can use your favorite delivery app, or you can pick them up in person. You can even dine in, uh, under social distancing guidelines, of course, uh, in Folsom and Oak Park. Uh, The 8th Street location there in East Sacramento was pretty small, so you just do your pickup deal there. Uh, But the other locations uh, are slowly starting to open, as are places all over the country. It was quite amazing Saturday was a, a, a an amazing day. It was amazing to see, you know, the gravity of 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 what we spent, you know, all of last week talking about. I remember ending the show on Friday the week prior, and I had opened up with eleven minutes on, you know, kind of how I felt and where we were as it pertains to to George Floyd and the movement that were that that, that was going on. And I remember it was eleven minutes, and I said, if you If you don't like things like this, like, I'm really sorry, it's on my mind, you know, you're going to have to fast forward 11 minutes, listen for the boys in the hood theme, and you know, we'll get going, and then Monday came around, and just, it was just such a devastating weekend, and I wound up spending, you know, like 60 minutes on the entire thing, and not talking about sports really in any way, shape, or form, and it felt like, as you know last week went on and of course the grant napier story played a major factor into this because of the circumstances behind his uh termination and technically resignation from his his two high profile positions uh, it 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 put us in a position where we consens- consistently had to talk about race and it was it's this this moment in time right now it's not really any different than when you know the coronavirus kind of shut down our world and we started being at you know, stay at home orders. And we started trying to figure out, okay, what's going to be next for sports? When are we going to be talking about sports? And I continued to do this podcast in hopes of, well, being a distraction for you and being a distraction for myself. And it was difficult because every day it was always like some sort of news regarding COVID-19. It was some sort of news. We rarely like came in here and, and talked about something that was like exciting. or You know, that that's why the last dance was so welcome. It gave us the opportunity to you know, we would able to distract ourselves for two hours every Sunday. And then on Monday we could come in and almost like it was a game. We were running recap shows every Monday about the last dance. And it was like a break from testing and wearing gloves and masks and this is closed and that's closed. And how is this league going to do this? And how is that league going to do that? And how is our world ever going to be the same? And it was like that much of last week, except the center wasn't covid nineteen. The center was you know racial um, racially charged unrest, you know, all over uh, the country. And it was amazing seeing, you know, I've posed the question so many times, and we'll we'll save this for 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 our new follow up segment that we do at the end of the show. Uh, but I've asked so many times, like why why has this resonated with so many people? And I asked that on social media. Many of you responded, there was another a social media issue that took place uh, this week. And it actually took place Friday night. And I was in a very volatile state Friday night, by the way. I'll explain why. Uh, But it took place with Marcos Breton. And I'm anxious to share with you uh, how that story has its conclusion uh, coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, On Friday, we opened the show playing the video that a number of NFL players made. Now, this is allegedly was done without the consent and knowledge of the NBA, or excuse me, of the NFL. The video was done without the uh, consent and knowledge of the NFL. What we've learned since then is that an NFL uh, like social media coordinator, he was the one who put it together. He came up with the idea. He went above it. The story is he went above his boss's heads and it's difficult when you talk about the NFL and this is where my frustration lies. And I guess we'll let's play the Roger Goodell video for you because Roger Goodell released a video of his own on Friday night or Friday evening. And you know, it's the, I, I, I don't know here, here's the video in its entirety and you can determine, you know, what to think of it yourself. It has
0: been a difficult time for our country in particular black people in our country. First, my condolences to the families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and all the families who have endured police brutality. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of Black people. We, the National Football League, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. We, the National Football League, believe Black lives matter. I personally protest with you and want to be part of the much-needed change in this country. Without Black players, there would be no National Football League, and the protests around the country are emblematic of the centuries of silence, inequality, and oppression of Black players, coaches, fans, and staff. We are listening. I am listening. And I will be reaching out to players who have raised their voices and others on how we can improve and go forward for a better and more united NFL family.
1: Okay. So there's uh, Roger Goodell's 81-second video in its entirety. And now let's, 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 let's start with this uh It was a ballsy video to put out by Roger Goodell, whether he did it with the you know full backing of the 32 NFL owners or not. It was a video that took some balls because he's going to take he's going to take a beating for that video from both sides. He's going to take a beating from that video who from 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 people who don't believe NFL players should protest. He he he's going to take a beating from people who believe that Black Lives Matter is some sort of terrorist group. And, you know, you've got to understand the NFL fan base. While you and I are NFL fans and you and I are made up of all sorts of different, you know, racial and ethnic backgrounds, the prominent fan base that goes to the stadiums in the NFL is predominantly older white males and they're Republican. They're older white right males, and they're leaning. And and I don't mean like I think we're I think we're talking. And I I know there was a study done on this two years ago. I think we're talking as high as sixty five percent, sixty five percent of you know you know white males in the demographic above the age of thirty five, uh, white and and conservative leaning doesn't mean they're you know hardcore Republican, but the the, the the you know the the category was conservative, you know leaning to 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 that side, and. So it 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 took, you know, th- there's going to be people who rip Roger Goodell for this. I'm sure Donald Trump is going to rip Roger Goodell for this. I think he's already commented on it. I don't know that he's ripped him for this, but I think he's commented on it. And then you've got, you know, the other side. Then you've got people who are looking at this like, okay. And it's, and it's sort of how I, I'm not going to kill Roger Goodell for the video. I just don't, I look at it like, ah. Anything with the NFL, I have to approach with this like cynical, cynical approach. Like if Adam Silver were to do this, I'd be like, hell yeah, Adam Silver. Like he's always like he gets it. He always gets it. With the NFL, I look at it like, well, what's your angle? Like, what do you, what are you trying to accomplish with this video? Like, what are you trying to get out there? Like, what, what, what point are you trying to make? And one point that people are pointing out repeatedly. Is there's no mention, and and I, this was my frustration with Drew Brees, is Drew Brees was was asked a specific question about Colin Kaepernick and his protest back in 2016, and then he flipped the script, he made it about the flag. He's apologized multiple times. I think he fell short on all of his apologies. Then he put out the, you know, when Donald Trump went, yeah, Drew Brees, he put out a statement to that was directly to Donald Trump, and you know. I, I believe Drew Brees is trying, <laughs> but my initial problem with his apology was his first apology was he didn't actually mention Colin Kaepernick, like which was a question. It's not like he would have brought Colin Kaepernick's name up out of thin thin air. My problem with is he didn't say, okay, you know, I was wrong about what Cap was doing. I I I took Cap's message and I, whether purposely or. uh not purposely. I, I mangled the message. I ignored the message four years ago. I didn't take the time to learn it over the last four years. And I purposely mangled that or inadvertently mangled that in our conversation. And for for Cap and for the people who support Cap and, and for the people who support that message that was stated four years ago, I was wrong and I apologize. He didn't do that. That bothered me. Because, again, he wouldn't be bringing Colin Kaepernick's name up out of thin air. So people had issues, you know, you e you know, the, and, and, you know, and if you don't, I'll tell you, because there's a lot of new people listening to this podcast. And I'm so thankful that you're here. I really hope what you dig what we're doing. Um, there's a lot of people like I am a full on cap supporter. I'm a huge Colin Kaepernick supporter have been since day one. And I, it, it's frustrating when you see, you know, I don't, so the, so the video that came out Friday and we we aired the the video from the players, you know, the the, the video from the players that that came out Friday, you know, the the, the 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 hardest of hardcore cap supporters were like, why didn't you say Kaepernick's name? Why didn't you acknowledge that the NFL you you why didn't you acknowledge that the NFL was wrong for blackballing Kaepernick? Why didn't you acknowledge that the NFL was wrong for trying to, you know, suppress athlete protest? And I I didn't see it that way though. I mean, I can understand I. I, I didn't see it that way. I think there's a time and a place where Cap's name has to be mentioned in the NFL again. Uh, Roger Goodell is in a weird situation because he said, "Well, teams have been free to sign Colin Kaepernick, and they've had to, you know, settle collusion lawsuits and all of those sorts of different things." But there were people, you know, on you know the Kaepernick side who was like, "Well, why didn't you say we were wrong about Colin Kaepernick? Like, why didn't you say we were wrong about you know, you said we were." Wrong for not listening, despite the fact you've spent four years saying we're listening. Why didn't you acknowledge you were wrong for attempting to suppress athlete protests then? Athlete protests that were led by Colin Kaepernick. There's always going to be this uncomfortable conversation that has to happen when anyone within the NFL talk about talks about protest, because it's always going to go back to number seven on the San Francisco 49ers. It's going to go back to him time and time again. And now there's all these articles about if the NFL truly wants to do this and they truly truly want to do that, they've got to sign Colin Kaepernick. And it's like, like okay. I, I mean, maybe they do. I mean, who who is it? Uh, Alden Smith. Like Alden Smith, Colin Kaepernick has played more recently than Alden Smith has. And Alden Smith has a roster spot in which his head coach is – Seems to be very excited to see him out there on the football field. Orland Smith isn't a quarterback, but still, he hasn't played in five years. So I don't want to hear the argument that, oh, like Cap hasn't played in four years. He can't possibly walk. Who was the other guy? There was, there was one guy. Was it Josh? I think his name was Josh Johnson. He hadn't played in the NFL. This was two years ago. He hadn't played in the – so so Cap had been out, what, two years at that point – this dude had been out the league four and a half years. And he got a... Not only did he get a shot, he actually played pretty well when he got in and, and was in a backup role. Because he had to play real-life games. He had, to, he had to play real regular season games. So I, I I don't know that an NFL team needs to sign Colin Kaepernick. While I would love to see that, what I would appreciate just as much is the NFL acknowledging Colin Kaepernick. I understand that, you know the difficult waters you've got to navigate when you've got had a lawsuit on your hands. I understand the difficult waters that you have to navigate when you've done non-disclosures and and uh settlements. I I get that. But you can also come to an agreement like, hey, we're gonna attempt to, you know, we've got a bigger picture here that we've got to deal with. And I don't think you can truly address protest in the NFL I don't think you can truly uh, address racial injustice from an NFL standpoint I don't think you can have this big grand statement it was one of the big issues with the players coalition how are you going to have a players coalition when Colin Kaepernick isn't involved and the way it originally worked is Cap was involved and I'm a little bit unclear about the circumstances as to why he wasn't Howard Bryant wrote about it but i can't recall what the exact circumstances were about how cap was like involved in the players coalition but on the fringe of it like he wasn't he wasn't in the group he was on some of the initial phone calls he was kind of a part of the process but i think he believed which a lot of people believe they believed that the gesture from the nfl was not genuine and i think his fears ultimately turned out to be found you know accurate when Malcolm Jenkins sent out that tweet that said, hey, if we got something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing. Hey, if we got the $90 million from the NFL, would that move you to, would, it, would that be enough for us to stop protesting? And I think when that tweet went out, it was like, or not tweet, sorry. When that private text went out to, uh, to the group of the play, in the Players Coalition, the, the, the original like board, if you will, of the Players Coalition, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what we were, that's what we were expecting, But I can't, I'm not going to kill Roger for the statement. It was, I was surprised. I was definitely surprised. I was, I was surprised to hear him acknowledge we weren't listening. Um, I was surprised by a lot of things that he said, but again, with the NFL, it's always this cynical approach where I'll just look at it and like, okay, I can't look at what they do at face value. I have to look at what they do is, okay, what's the, like, what do you, what's the motive? What's the motive behind this? I said, and which, and I guess this is where my frustration with all of this lies. The Cowboys put out a video, like the Cowboys put out a statement about racial injustice and social. And it's like, no, like, don't do that. That's why I have difficulties with all of this And this. And there's no point. We don't need to hold this off until our final segment. I'll I'll throw it out there right now. It's why I wrote on social media and have asked the question so many times, like, why is it different now? Like, what about this moment hit for you? Like, when Tamir Rice was murdered, it it you didn't, like, Black Lives Matter didn't, like, Black Lives Matter started in 2012. Black Lives Matter, or 2013, when, when Trayvon Martin was murdered. Black Lives Matter, like, became, a, a, you know, three words that everybody knew in 2014 in Ferguson after... You know, And then we had this stretch where you know it was Sterling, and then it was Garner, and then it was just name after name after name after name of people that were murdered at the hands of police officers. And I've had many people answer me saying, well, you know, one of the reasons it was different was because we saw a man's death play out over the stretch of nine minutes, eight minutes and 46 seconds. We saw people screaming at the police officer who was sitting there with his... Neon George Floyd's black. Essentially smirking at the camera as all of this is taking place. We saw what looked like a blatant murder. Like a murder attempt. And what what wound up being a blatant murder. Right there. Play out on camera. Right there over the stretch of 8 minutes and 46 seconds. There was no. A a good line that someone used uh, to me in one of my responses was. There was no like snap judgment. Right. And I think we talked about this on Friday. So I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. But it, let's, let's take it out of, of why is it so different for you or why is it so different for you know, people that you know or everybody else? Why is it so different for the thousands and thousands who gathered in the streets of Sacramento and all over the country uh, this past weekend to continue these protests? Let's, let's take that out and let's say, why is it different for the Dallas Cowboys? Why is it different for the National Football League? Why is it different for Amazon? why is it different for you know major media companies across the country why all of a sudden is black lives matter a phrase why is all of a sudden black lives matter three letters that they're so willing or three words excuse me that they're so willing to use when for so long people stayed away from it why did people allow the waters of what black lives matter is to be muddied why did they allow people to speak about that group as if it's some sort of terrorist group and I understand the dynamic of the so-called leadership in Washington D.C. I, I get that, but you, you, I, we collectively have to be smart enough to not fall for that stuff. We have to be able to think for ourselves. And it appears, and that's what I can't get. That's what I don't understand: is Amazon thinking for themselves? Is Postmates and all of these like emails that I get in support of Black are are they all thinking for themselves? Or are they looking at this as a PR opportunity? And it's difficult to not do it that way. It's difficult when I see the f- effing Dallas Cowboys putting out a statement about social justice. This is the same organization that said they would fire someone who protested during the national anthem. This is the same group who marched out there in the most dramatic, nonsensical, choreographed you know move where they... Took a knee during the National Anthem. And what was hysterical about it, if you recall, they locked arms. They walked out together. They took a knee. The National Anthem hadn't started. They took a knee. The crowd erupted in booze. Just to go back to what we were talking about, about the NFL fan base, the NFL fan base that goes to arenas. The crowd erupted in booze. This was before the National Anthem. And then they got up. They backed up. The flag was rolled out. They stayed locked-armed. They stayed standing, and the National Anthem played. This was the same group that said they would fire anyone who deviated from that plan. Of course, I never believed Jerry because I was always like, okay, take a knee, Zeke. Let's see what happens. Take a knee, Dak. Take a knee, Jason Witten. We'll see what happens. He ain't going to fire you. Take a knee, Demarcus Lawrence. If he was even playing that year, I don't know. But take a knee, someone of you know, significant ramifications. I was asked a question on Friday and this will lead into the, to the Marcos Brenton story. I was asked a question on Friday. Like, are you cool with like, cause you kind of were, you know, day one with cap and you were about this movement and you understood it and you tried to preach about it and talk about it. Like, are you cool now that like so many people are on board and it's not. And again, when I say people, I don't mean like you, you, I think anytime you can change someone's mind, like that's what, when people are willing to listen, like that's not a negative, right? It's a positive, which is why it's, it's so frustrating to see Roger Goodell's video and take a cynical approach to it. Because he says, hey, we didn't listen, but we're listening now. The frustration around that is you said you were listening before, but you were lying because it was a PR stunt because you had to appease your players who are predominantly black And then you had to appease a certain portion of your fan base. And I believed you then. And you didn't reward me for it. So now I I, I don't believe you. And I look at the Dallas Cowboys. I look like you're making a... This is a PR statement. That's all of this is. And I was asked the question, like, are you okay with all of these people who are on board? Like, I'm okay with anyone who has changed their mind on Colin Kaepernick. I'm okay with anyone who has changed their mind on Black Lives Matter. Like, I... I just, I'm not as okay with businesses because I don't believe your statements to be genuine. Except for Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's statement was about as, like I never, I, I know the sentence does not make sense. Ben and Jerry's, the ice cream place, their statement was as, that was as real as it gets. There was no wishy-washy stuff. There was nothing to be left to interpretation. Uh, interpretation. They were as clear and concise as you could be in a statement like that everybody else just kind of tiptoed around the issues. No one really wanted to acknowledge what we're talking about because no one wants to offend their 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 respective police force or no one wants to damage their relationship that they may have with you know, a, a, a police force or a police union or whatever it may be. Is there's this weird thing where you know, when we talk about in, when we, when we talk in generalities, right, we, well, black people that, like, when, when we talk about stereotypes, well, black people this, and white people this, and Mexican people this. and Like, we talk in very generic terms. We talk in very general terms, I should say. You can't talk in general terms about the police officers. They get really upset. When you use the term, like, police brutality, for some reason, the police think you're talking about all of them. And what phrase do we hear so often? Uh, You know what it is. We went over this last week. It's the bad apple phrase. It's the bad apple line. Uh, You got a few bad apples. I feel like there are some bad apples in the NFL, and I think one of them is the Dallas Cowboys. So when they put out a statement about racial injustice, and they put it like, I don't believe you. Like, come on, man. You showed your ass four years ago. I don't believe you. And so we'll we'll you know we'll move on to others. Well, I I, I don't want to move on just yet. There's a couple of other things I want to talk about as it, as it as it pertains to this, but it won't it won't take super long. Uh, one of them is Adrian Peterson. See, this is this is something about the movement that I don't particularly love. Like Adrian Peterson says, you know, he's he's still a member of the you know the team in Washington, very productive running back last year. He was asked about Drew Brees and his comments and the stuff about you know disrespecting the flag. He was asked about all of that. And then he says, I am going to, without a doubt, I'll be taking a knee during the national anthem to protest racial injustice. First game isn't going to be played for, like, what are we in? We're in June, July, August. I mean, we're, we're a good three months away from the first game being played. It's going to be usually, what, the beginning of September. We're not going to see Washington until probably the second week of December. Second weekend in December. So, okay. So we're going to make this proclamation now that we're going to take a knee during the national anthem. Now it's like, okay, if you're going to do it, like, cool, do it. But Adrian Peterson has put himself in a difficult position now because he has said this, and now if that first week rolls around and maybe he decides he doesn't want to, maybe he realizes that there are financial ramifications for it, especially for a guy who's at the end of his career. Adrian Peterson, as good as he was last year, he's not a difficult guy to cut. He's not the Adrian Peterson from Minnesota. You know, he's not the Adrian Peterson who won the MVP. He's, he's a, he, 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 while he's been productive, he's a significantly more easy cut. And maybe he gets a talking to. And maybe he walks that comment back. Then what do you do? The NFL takes a hit. Adrian Peterson takes a hit. I don't like the idea of these grand proclamations of, I'm going to protest during the national anthem. Because it's not organic that way. I don't think Colin Kaepernick sat around for a year going, I'm gonna protest during the national anthem and it's gonna cause this big ruckus and we're gonna get a bunch of attention. Colin Kaepernick had been sitting on the bench for two games before anyone noticed. No one noticed he was doing it. No one asked him, no one did it. He just went about his business. He didn't stand for the national anthem. He sat back on the bench. It was no big deal. And then one grainy cell phone pick caught it. It was like, hey, what's going on here? It went out to beat reporters. Beat reporters got a hold of it. They went to the 49ers and asked them about it. And then came the 18 minute speech that we played for you a couple of days ago. So there's nothing I, there's nothing organic about this and I don't like this, you know, I and maybe it's not necessarily Adrian Peterson's fault. Maybe this is a question that's going to be asked, you know through you know these media availabilities until training camp starts in a, in a month and some change. Well, what is your stance on social justice? What is your stance on protesting during the national anthem? And those are difficult questions for NFL players to ask because when you ask them now, you're in the heat of the moment and you want to respond a certain way, whereas you might not feel that way. And that goes back to, you know, that goes back to another question that I've been asking. What happens when this isn't a trendy topic anymore? So more? It's, it's one of the reasons that I believe that Sacramento Kings deserve such, such a claim for what they've done. They made a partnership with Black Lives Matter and Build Black here in Sacramento, and they've made it a partnership. They've made a commitment to continue to seek you know, racial equality. They continue to seek an end to social injustices such as police brutality. They have made those commitments. They made those commitments when the water was piping hot. It was boiling hot here in Sacramento. And they jumped in with both feet and said, "This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to deal with this." And when you know, when that water cooled to a, you know a room temperature, then it got put in the refrigerator and cooled completely off. Sacramento Kings were still there. They were still, they still had that partnership with Bill Black. They still had that partnership with Black Lives Matter. They were still moving forward, seeking. Racial equality was still moving forward, seeking an end to social injustice. They should be acclaimed for that because their process was organic, their process was real, and their process came from a great place. I don't know where it, I think Adrian Peterson is speaking in the heat of the moment, and I think other NFL football players that are being asked that question right now shouldn't answer it because if you, if you, if, if that anger that you feel now. And so many of us feel anger and we feel sadness and we feel frustration. We feel, you know, helplessness and hopelessness. And if you still feel that in, in August, you decide how you want to move forward. It doesn't have to be a protest during the national anthem. That's what Colin Kaepernick did. There are other ways to do it. And while I'm in support of it, if you want to take a knee during the national anthem, cool. I feel like if you did some sort of raised fist, if you did some sort of lock arms, you didn't really do anything because you didn't risk anything. And maybe at this point, if you take a knee during the national anthem, you're not risking anything either because there's already been a whipping boy for all of this. And it's Colin Kaepernick. You know, Eric Reed did it alongside him for every, every single game that Colin Kaepernick kneeled, Eric Reed was right next to him. Every single one. But Cap was the one who started it. So Cap is going to be the oh, he was too shitty of a quarterback, like he could never play in the league, he wasn't even good. I mean, they'll come up with excuse after excuse after excuse as to why Colin Kaepernick isn't in the league and shouldn't be in the league. But the fact is he is just a whipping boy for protest during football games or protest during sporting events. Or maybe it's just protest during the national anthems. I don't, I don't know what it is. But I think players should hold off on making proclamations about what they're doing. One more thing about Goodell's video is the the importance of 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 saying Colin Kaepernick's name, and I think we touched on that already, so I won't dive too much back into that. But they have to acknowledge, maybe they don't, maybe 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 they don't acknowledge that they were wrong. But they need to figure out some sort of way. If you want something to truly lead the movement in the NFL, it has to start with Colin Kaepernick, because there's so many people that you're not going to get back on your side unless you invoke his name and his presence into this somehow and if cap turns you down then cap turns you down and maybe that's part of the issue too is that they feel like cap is just not going to want to be a part of this because of his reluctancy to be a part of the players coalition but we know why he was reluctant to be a part of the players coalition in malcolm jenkins text ultimately it was it was founded as we stated just a moment ago so let's move on to some other things uh good time to remind you uh, if you're feeling a little stressed, a little uneasy i can't speak about what i can't speak about what uh, everybody's experience with CBD is, uh, but I can speak about what my experience is with Sky Natural CBD is, and it is. Uh, an, I, I had never experimented with CBD before. I knew what it was. I knew it was a derivative of you know the hemp plant and all of that different stuff, but I had never used it before until I hooked up with Sky Naturals and they gave me a hemp oil uh, like tincture, like this extract that I put under my tongue for thirty seconds. Uh, I like to use it before I go to sleep. I have some balm that I like to put on. Uh, after you know, I get done training, and my experiences with CBD has been amazing. That hemp oil extract, like I, I, it's almost become something I don't want to live without. Uh, you should try it for yourself. Uh, I find it very that hemp oil really sell, settles my mind, particularly at night. You know, particularly in times like these. Uh, go to skynaturalcbd.com and check them out for yourself. Again, that skynaturalcbd.com. You can check them out for yourself. You can use the promo code. I've got a promo code for you. It'll give you 15% off your order. The promo code is in the game. That's the promo code. In the game. It'll get you 15% off your order. Use that each and every single time you make an order over at skynaturalcbd.com. If you've never tried it, try it now. It works. It has great benefits. Uh, the bomb is great post-workout. It helps uh, heal uh, my muscles, which are getting you know older by the day and can't seem to quite take the same type of workouts they used to about five, six, seven years ago, uh, so I find it a great addition uh, to my training program. So check that out, skynaturalcbd.com, and use the promo code in the game. More details are coming out about the return of the National Basketball Association. Uh, We are very aware, and we covered in great detail on Friday, that the 22-team format is scheduled to begin on July 31st at the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando. We know that there's going to be no fans in attendance. I have an amendment I want to make to that, by the way, here in just a minute. Uh, But it's also being reported, Shams Karana, The Athletic, that, well, maybe we are going to get some crowd noise there, despite the fact that no fans are in attendance. Maybe we're going to get some NBA 2K crowd noise? Hmm. Like, okay. So I'm curious about this. Uh, Now, to be clear, he's not saying this is going to happen. He's saying that this is something that's being discussed. And I think a lot of players chimed in like, ah, oh, don't do this. This would be really distracting. Like, don't do this. My, my my gut tells me that this is a television production. This isn't like an... I, I, I mean, I don't think they're going to pipe in crowd noise over the arena. Like like in in the Walt Disney Resort, I don't think that's where the crowd noise is going to be coming from. I think the crowd noise would be coming from from a television truck, so it sounds different for... Because if you shoot the game in a certain way, and again, we don't even know what the camera setup is going to be, but if you shoot the game in a certain way, there is only going to be certain times where you realize there aren't any fans there. It's going to look weird if you put the if you put the benches kind of on the hard camera side where the steady camera sits, you could avoid, you know, you could really avoid most of the crowd. You could focus in on the court, and from a television standpoint, if you're piping noise in on the truck... I'm not a video game guy. I don't have any video game consoles, so I don't really know what NBA 2K noise sounds like, like I can imagine. But I don't don't pretend to be an expert on video games. But if you're piping it through the truck, I don't think it's a terrible idea. I don't think you want to blast it in the... Like, I don't think you want to blast it in the arena where, like, the home team has the ball and, like, it kind of goes quiet and, like, they cheer when they make a basket or you know, it, they boo, I don't think that's the way to go. I don't think you want to go in arena noise. But if you piped it through the truck, I mean, I think that's something they're talking about with the NFL as well. The NFL is the same thing. The NFL, again, the strategic shot, you ne- never see the fact that these guys are playing in empty stadiums, assuming they're going to be playing. I mean, they're going to be playing in predominantly empty stadiums, even if it's not 100% empty. So kind of the the, the the crowd noise, and again, I believe this is a part of the television presentation is something uh, that's being discussed quite a bit. I did wonder, though, in Florida, this, you know, or that's where Orlando is, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Florida is starting to open sporting events. Of course, there's no sporting events happening, but they're starting to, you know, they've made, they've, they've said things like, well, maybe we can get back to, you know, 50% capacity of, of crowds. So whatever the venue holds, we could get to 50% of that. And obviously, organizations like the WWE are very interested in that as they could you know, start to slowly fill up their performance center with fans uh, as they've been just in recent weeks using other WWE performers to act as fans. Uh, AEW, who also does a lot of filming in Florida, uh, they could start to fill up venues that they've booked there uh, in the Jacksonville area. Other part of Florida, they, Florida they could fill in uh, up to 50% capacity and these are things that you could start doing in the coming weeks and it's NBA isn't scheduled to be back till July 31st and again my belief is they just want to get through the season but I do wonder if when families are allowed in and families are allowed in I believe it's the second round of the playoffs moving forward so they got to get through the regular season uh, got to get through whatever a potential play in looks like got to get through the first round that eliminates a i mean a whole bunch of teams have gone home by that point and then you can have a certain number of family and friends come in i assume this is family and friends of players family and friends of coaches you know whatever the dynamic of your team is i guess that's i don't know you know there's a there's a a a hard number for the amount of people per team that can come that number is 35 i don't know if it's up to the teams to decide uh, how many people can come like how many family and friends can come like from within their organization. That's a, you know, it's a dicey thing to work out, but it's something they're trying to figure out. But with arenas being allowed at 50% capacity by the time that, you know, basketball starts, or at least by the time that family and friends get there, maybe as the NBA finals come around, maybe you can start to put family and friends in the arena. Now, someone who's, uh, more familiar with the NBA than I am, said, "Ah, that might not be a bad idea. I mean that that might be a bad idea. You know, some of the things that family and friends yell, you don't really hear because it's, you know, they're in an arena with seventeen thousand people. You probably don't want those things being yelled when it's pretty audible, uh, okay? And that would that would that also might mitigate any. I mean, I don't know what home court advantage. There is no home court advantage, even if." The Milwaukee Bucks are playing on a Milwaukee Bucks court. There's no home court advantage. But I th- I think there's something to this if in the NBA finals come around and you can fill up with social distancing guidelines, well, I don't know why not. Maybe maybe you have to tell family and friends like, "Hey, you know, maybe maybe not yell things that you might normally yell <laughs> at, at at arenas." And again, this person's far more familiar with that stuff than me, so I I I you know, kind of let that be more of the gospel, but I thought it would work. Oh, I'm I'm trying to come up. It sounds better than 2K noise to me. Major League Baseball falls on his face. You hard to believe, I know. How about this? Let's touch on this one real quick. The Oakland A's have reversed course on their decision to cease payments for their minor league players. Uh, John Fisher admitted that he made a mistake on Friday and that he'll continue to play the organization's minor league players their $400 a week stipend for the remainder of what would have been a typical minor league season. Uh, those players will also be paid uh, retroactively uh, to win. Uh, John Fisher cut off the payment. So I guess you live and you learn that was a horrible, horrible, horrible decision on on the part of the Oakland A's, specifically on the part of owner John Fisher. Uh, so it's good to see that they recognize that. Obviously they recognized it more because they took significant backlash from that and that is something that is uh being corrected on their part again it's live and learn right you can't you can't be mad at somebody for making the wrong decision learning from it even if they learn from it for the wrong reasons even if they learn from it just because they were dragged across you know it takes a lot to be dragged across the you know the coals by major league baseball fans considering the fact that major league baseball continues to just fall on its face over and over and over again as it becomes to coming back to baseball i think the last thing we talked about is that The Major League Baseball owners rejected a Players Association plan for a 114-game season. Obviously, the baseball players want to play as many games as possible because they want to make as much money as possible, and they don't want to cut any more of their salary than they've already agreed to cut, which Major League Baseball signed off on two weeks, a little over two weeks after this whole pandemic started, or a little over two weeks after the whole world shut down back in the middle of March. So I don't know what the I don't know what the I don't know if the number of games is a sticking point for Major League Baseball or if it's the fact that the Major League Baseball players won't take more of a pay cut. Uh, Cuz we're getting to the point now. I, I, I don't you can't fit 114 games. Like what, what what we're in June. I don't think they could fit 114 games in right now. I mean, I guess if you just killed the players you could. But maybe we need to get down to closer to 100. I mean, we had originally heard an 82 game schedule. I mean, at some point, I mean, they've already dropped the ball in just incredible fashion. They've dropped the ball in the sense that they would have had the sports landscape to themselves right now. If things had worked out the way it was supposed to, they would have been back to some sort of mini training camp. They would have been playing baseball games before the baseball before the basketball season resumed. They would have garnered interest. They would have, had, again they've they've dropped the ball so many times and we are being deprived of hating the Houston Rockets. That was absolutely going to be or the Houston Rockets, the Houston Astros. That was absolutely going to be the best story of the baseball season. Hearing the Astros booed and just the hatred for that team in every stadium they stepped in. And we have we have been deprived of that. It's almost like we forgot that the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox cheated their ways to titles. with so the Houston Astros in really just egregious fashion. I guess the Red Sox maybe, you know, according to Major League Baseball's findings, not so much. I don't know what the magic number for them is, though. I don't I don't know if, if if it's and I don't even know if it's a magic number in terms of games. Maybe it's just we need the major league baseball players to agree to an even more significant pay cut than they already took. But this this organization just continues to lose. They just lose at every turn. They can't get right. They had such a golden. Imagine that first baseball game. And now, I mean, sure, like people, I I guess people will be happy when baseball's back. But I think in some sense, that first baseball game comes on, it's going to be coming on around the same time basketball is. If not later, you're looking at it like. (sighs) Almost like that, you know, that kid that can't stay out of trouble. You just look at him like you just never learned, do you? That's how I feel like when I look at Major League Baseball, you just never learn. You literally and figuratively cannot get out of your own way. And Conor McGregor has retired again. Again. Uh, This is his third time retiring. As a matter of fact, this is his third time retiring on social media. He once uh, retired when he refused to show up and promote his match against uh, Nate Diaz. Uh, that fight was canceled. They eventually got it rescheduled, came back. He retired again in 2019, uh, came back, uh, fought in January 2020 uh, when he beat Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Um, yeah, Conor's got that FU money. And yeah, I think I saw, I don't know if it was a tweet this morning, I saw something where Floyd Mayweather's already talking to him like, dude, don't do No one, if you pay for that, If Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather were to fight again and you paid for it, we could never be friends. I can never be friends with someone who paid to see that garbage a second time. I get falling into the hype of it the first time. And I get it being a spectacle. That's what it was. It was a spectacle. But a second time? Nobody wants to see that a second time. Nobody can literally... Nobody really believes Connor had a chance, right? Like, we all understand that Floyd is a showman and Floyd understands how to win a fight and allow people to feel like they got their money's worth. That's what he did with Connor McGregor. He allowed people to think that they got their money's worth. Because I have a very strong inclination that if Floyd Mayweather wanted to beat him in the first round, he would have. Because Floyd just was moving around, he was doing next to nothing. You know, through the bulk of that fight. And then he just decided, okay, I'm good. I'm done. I've given the fans enough. People will not feel cheated out of this event. I'm going to beat him. And he did. Easily. We can't have that again. Absolutely cannot have that again. And in any any commission that books that is just absurd. I mean, athletic commissions are already trash. They sanctioned a non-boxer to fight, arguably greatest or certainly one of the greatest. I guess that's what arguably means dummy. One of the greatest fighters in history. They sanctioned a non-fighter, a zero and zero record fighter to fight him. That tells you all you need to know about uh, athletic commissions, but can't wait to see who Conor McGregor fights next when Dana White realizes he has absolutely no one else to turn to uh, for a major gate I should have tied this into the baseball story a little bit so forgive me for going a bit out of order here but I should have thrown this in when we were talking about major league baseball not getting out of its own way the 30 for 30 trailer regarding uh, the 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 long summer I think is what it's called or something like that with Sammy Socia and Mark McGuire and you know the home run chase of that that year it was uh, it was it's been put out there And you know there being there's a lot of comparisons being made to the '94 strike season in terms of what's going on with baseball players right now in terms of what's going on with baseball players and baseball owners and the lack of a baseball season. Now, obviously, it's different because '94 started as a work stoppage that these two guys had to figure out or that these two entities had to figure out. This season, (laughs) this season started as a pandemic. This season has started out as a global pandemic that Major League Baseball has somehow turned into a work stoppage. And there are a lot of people saying, I don't know, they might not be able to recover this from this. They might not be able to recover from this. Like fans are going to look at them in, you know, such a negative capacity because they had an opportunity to come back. They had an opportunity to have the sports landscape to themselves and they completely blew it. And You go back to 94 and he goes like, man. No, world. Like, they really, like, this is bad. Like, this is really, really bad. And there were people who say that that home run chase in 1998 is what saved Major League Baseball. And there was a line in this that just, it, it fascinated me in the press release. This is how the press release concluded. This wasn't in the trailer. It was in the press release that ESPN put out. The last couple of sentences. But when the rampant use of performance-enhancing drugs throughout the game came to light in the years that followed, the thrill was gone. Or was it? The PEDs might have cheapened the accomplishment, but the excitement at the time of the chase was real and undeniable. And as I watched the trailer, I thought, oh, I think they're really just going to talk about the home run chase. Now, maybe I'm misinterpreting this, but... I know there's a a clip where Bob Costas makes reference to, you know, how the whole experience was cheapened and all of that stuff. But the focal point in this is the actual home run chase. It's the, it's that actual moment. That's amazing to me that you can make a, and, and, and again, we, I haven't seen it. This is just off this. I I'm going off the press release and I'm going off that trailer. It's amazing to me that they would actually consider putting together a documentary that focused primarily on an artificial home run chase and not why the chase was happening. Those stories cannot be told independently. You cannot tell the story of the excitement of a fake chase for a home run record in 1998 without telling the story of why the chase was fake, why it wasn't real. It's one of, it's one of the most, like why there is just so much hate for Barry Bonds and him going, you know, 73 and then him breaking Hank Aaron's record and all of that. But it feels like there's less towards Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosha, I think, I think Mark McGuire maybe has been forgiven because he acknowledged it. Sammy Sosha, I think is just looked at as like, uh, he's a weird cat. His appearance has changed quite a bit and you just kind of go, uh, whatever. I mean, he's just one of those guys who, I, I think there's a line where, I think Mark McGuire says something like, I didn't know Sammy Sosa existed till he hit 20 home runs in June. It was like, really? Like, I knew Sammy Sosa existed, I just didn't, he wasn't that. Like, he wasn't, he wasn't that. Like, he wasn't a guy that I would think would be at the biggest story, you know, be, be on the forefront of the biggest story in baseball. Mark McGuire is a guy I knew very, very well, obviously because of his time in Oakland and part of the Bash Brothers and all that. I'm just fascinated at the thought that ESPN might actually try to tell this story without focusing on what the actual story of this home run chase is. Again, I'm basing this off what I've seen. I'm basing it off the trailer. I'm basing it off the the uh, I'm basing it off of the press release. And unlike, you know, Lance Armstrong, this is one that i'll I will happily sit down and watch. Let's do a couple of follow-ups here as we begin to wrap things up on this Monday edition. Again, appreciate you so much for being here. If you're new to the show uh, and you're on Apple Podcast, if you could subscribe, rate and review the show, uh, that is huge for us. We had a lot of traction on Apple Podcast last week. We start to get picked up by people who live outside of the Sacramento area, people who live outside of Northern California, and they can find out everything that we've got going on here on the podcast with Damian Barling. If you hadn't had the opportunity to check out Relive with Damian Barling yet, go check that out. If you're an old school or a new school wrestling fan, old school fans, I think you're really going to love this. It's a podcast unlike anything I've ever done before. It is a documentary-style podcast. Episode number one is available right now featuring Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock at WrestleMania 17. Episode number two drops this Wednesday, and it focuses on CM Punk and John Cena at Money in the Bank in Chicago. We tell the story of CM Punk before that match, and we tell the story of CM Punk after uh, that match. Uh, it's a, it's a, I'm proud of this work, man. I'm, I'm really proud of that podcast. I think it's something special, and I really hope it uh, catches on. Uh, so a couple of follow ups, man. Much love to the Athletic. They had to let 46 people go this week, eight uh, percent of their workforce. Um, you know, a lot of their podcasts were done away with, including one that was hosted by uh, Jason Jones and Kenny Calloway. Jason Jones, his place at the uh, Athletic is safe. Uh, Kenny Calloway, Sacramento guy. Unfortunately, his time there is done. I wish Kenny nothing but the best. He's a good dude. Uh, we think a little bit differently in terms of his approach of you know, other local media members here. Uh, and I hope at some time he reconsiders the way he talks about the folks over at King's Herald. But uh, I think he's a good dude and I think he has a bright future ahead of him. So uh, NXT TakeOver in your house was this week. I didn't get a chance to watch all of it. I did watch the Backlot Brawl, which was it was kind of part match, part cinematic. Shoot, and I thought it. I thought it was good. I thought the show overall was good. I don't think there's ever been a bad NXT takeover. Uh, But I've got to watch the show in its entirety before we launch the weekly edition of the wrestling podcast over on Patreon. Uh, By the way, if you haven't joined us on Patreon yet, thank you to all of the people who have. We got a lot of new subscribers yes last week, not just people who subscribe to be conscious, uh, not people who just subscribed for the weekly edition, uh, the wrestling podcast. But there were people who subscribed just to support the show. Uh, there's a tier there that just you, you don't really get anything out of it except you you just show your support really for this show. And for that, man, I am super, super thankful. We're building something special over there. So go check us out at patreon.com. On Friday, I mentioned to you I was in a bit of a volatile state. I was having a conversation about whether I was okay with people's sudden change in their stance on Colin Kaepernick because people's sudden change in, in in terms of athletes protesting and all that stuff and everywhere you look this weekend whether it was in sacramento with the sacramento kings or it was in los angeles with russell westbrook and demar DeRozan, or it was in philadelphia or it was in atlanta with dan quinn and the the, the general manager of the atlanta falcons and you you, you saw athletes and, and figures associated with 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 athletic teams protesting all over the country I was asked about how I felt about people changing their stance on that. And all of a sudden, when they weren't about it four years ago, now all of a sudden they are. And we were talking about these businesses. And as I got off the phone, I, I kind of had worked myself into a place of frustration. And I was in the kitchen and I was you know, just getting dinner together. And all of a sudden, I hear a series of text messages, like, I, I mean, seven, eight, nine in a row. And I thought, well, this happened a couple of days ago. And, you know, we know what the story was at three o'clock on Tuesday. All right. What is this? So a number of different people had sent me a tweet that Marcos Britton of the Sacramento Bee had put out uh, on social media that said something he had, quote, tweeted. This was after the Roger Goodell video. And he had, quote, tweeted uh, a New York Times article saying that Roger Goodell owed Colin Kaepernick an, an apology and after, you know, he had quote tweeted that, and then he had also said, I would also ask my friends at KNBR and Sports 1140 to reflect on, you know, how they discussed Kaepernick and why they were so willing to spread lies about him. And I looked at that, and I thought, who's he referring to? And I quote tweeted him back, like, who are you talking about? Like, Dave, I, you know, Dave plays both sides of the fence like he tries to appease everybody like he rarely takes a stance against anything I know it wasn't me and it wasn't Ken and it wasn't Jason and it wasn't Chris it certainly wasn't Doug the one guy who it was you talked to a couple of days ago and said that well we need to we need to use this as an a learning experience and he was fired and you didn't mention anything about Colin Kaepernick in that article so who are you referring to so I got like I got really upset and started to recall, you know, money that I had lost because of my stance on Colin Kaepernick, and I kind of started tweeting that, and this went on, you know. I I think I put up three tweets, and I then I, I replied to some people, but I kind of left it, and Marcos didn't respond to me, which is fine. I wouldn't either, but he started responding to like Ken, and then he started to respond to other people who were tagged in various posts, and I thought like he's. He's just not responding to me. It's like okay, and I've never interacted with him. Like I, I'm, I obviously I know who he is. I don't follow him. Uh, he doesn't follow me. We do, you know. We maybe you know he wasn't aware of me, and I don't know anything past him. Past like I've, I've seen his articles from time to time, particularly most recently the Grant Napier one. So sometime on 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 Saturday, I was like, all right, just forget it. Like I'm gonna send him an email. So I sent him a very lengthy email explaining why that tweet that he put up was so infuriating to me because of you know what I had lost personally in what I believe it ultimately cost our show and he responded to me and you know he, he appreciated the sentiment of reaching out and we had a, a, a lengthy text exchange or excuse me we had a lengthy email exchange and so ultimately how this played out is I'm going to talk I'm going to talk with Marcos Brenton today And he's going to be writing an article about what it was like covering Colin Kaepernick at Sports 1140. So there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, there's an ending, uh, to this and it's going to play out, uh, in one of Marcos's articles. So, um, Yeah, that's the follow-up to what went on on Friday. And that is the wrap-up to the Monday edition of the podcast. Again, uh, thank you all for your support. Thank you for downloading, streaming, listening, and all that good stuff. If you're not with us on Patreon, go check it out. Go see if there's something for you. If you want to support the show, nothing else, there's a tier there for you. Uh, If you want uh, Be Conscious, which is a new – it's a weekly podcast now. It was originally going to be a monthly podcast, but far too many of you have signed up for that tier. So we're going to do that every single week. Uh, There's a tier for that. There's a wrestling tier. There's tons of exclusive content over there uh, as a member of Patreon. So go check us out, patreon.com slash Damien Barling. Or you can go to DamienBarling.com and click the Patreon button in the upper left-hand corner. We appreciate you so much for being with me here today. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you here tomorrow on the podcast with Damien Barling.